So tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit and continuing with what Pastor Marsha was talking about last week. And if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a little recap uh, as soon as the offer, uh, offering buckets go by. Uh, just to remind you, this coming weekend, if you haven't heard yet, we are having our Father's Day weekend tailgating party. And it's going to be a blast. We're going to have our uh, screens set up outside and uh, actually two areas in the upper parking lot and then the farthest parking lot. And it's, it's going to be the movie Courageous that we're going to be watching. And if you need more instructions, you can go onto our website newhopehilo.org, and then you can get a lot more information and be up to speed on what's happening. Also, uh, some of you have gotten an email talking about our e-newsletter. We have just started an electronic newsletter called 60 Seconds of Hope. And you can subscribe to it by going to our website and going under the area of resources. And then you can click where it says 60 Seconds of Hope. And then you can subscribe to it. And basically what it is, is it's giving you information on what's taking place here. Sometimes there will be an event that comes up. And I've run into this too while I would be uh, uh, sitting in church and not reading the bulletin. An event would come up and then it would come and go. And I would be thinking, what, where did, when did that happen? Nobody told me. It was in the bulletin for six months. How could you not know? Well, because we don't read sometimes, or we tend to forget. So a part of the 60 Seconds of Hope is to bring information. But the main vision of 60 Seconds of Hope is sometimes we just need a quick dose of a reminder of our hope in Jesus Christ. So within 60 60 seconds, we'll have a quick read where you can read for 60 seconds and catch hope from God. Sometimes our day goes by so quick that we never take time to remember our hope in Jesus Christ because so many things come our way and rob us of our time. So that will help us to remember the hope we have in God. So you can subscribe to it and uh, you'll, you'll get those e-newsletters every so often uh, from our wonderful uh, our multimedia team. They're, they're putting that together. So that's some of you already got that. We kicked it off on Sunday. It was kind of like a, a little bit on the lowdown, but we're bringing it up now and then we're going to talk about it more on Father's Day, which is coming up on Sunday. And our service times on, on Father's Day is 7, 9, and 11. Okay, remember that so that you can be here. And, and it's going to be great. Uh, we're treating the fathers to breakfast. I think, Pastor Marsha, are we having uh, steak? And steak and what? Potato mac salad. This is breakfast. And, and rice. And then... And eggs and apple pie a la mode. Okay. And then, and then, and then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, we have cardio kickboxing for after that with Arnesa guys, and, and we're going to work all that off. So, but we just want to treat the fathers to, to a, a wonderful day now because we're celebrating Father's Day. And, and because of that weekend on Wednesday, which is next week, Wednesday, we'll be having a resolution, a ceremony. And if you watch, if you uh, watched Courageous already, and there's something in the movie that we're going to be doing, and I, I tell you, it, nothing more powerful for us fathers than to be a part of the, that resolution ceremony. So I encourage all of you fathers, be there. It, it's a life-changing moment. I, I will do the same thing too. Uh, as a pastor, I am not immune 
to the frailties of being a father. I still need to be before God. I still need to uh, make commitments and, and, and set some foundation pillars, some pillars in my life so that I can continue to be the father he created me to be. So I, I think all of us, as we come together as fathers, that when we do this for God, then we'll see miracles take place not just in our lives but in our families too. So that's going to be coming up next week, Wednesday. Uh, also, next week, Wednesday, because it's a family, we're in this series, you know, the Strong and Courageous Family on Sundays. Uh, our youth ministry is going to be doing the worship next week, Wednesday. So if you've ever been around our youth and their worship, uh, you cannot help but to move. You know, they, they, they jump, they dance, they, they just, they, they have a lot of energy. So they just go crazy for Jesus uh, I was at the camp. They had me speak on their first night. They're at Zero Gravity right now at Spencer's Beach Park. And they had, that's why I'm a little bit sunburnt. Uh, they had me speak on Wednesday night. And I can't tell you how more honored I am as the senior pastor of this church, of your children, that I get to see them worship God. And it, it, you, you could just uh, sense the Holy Spirit moving in the, in the lives of these youth uh, some of them have grown up in this ministry uh, and uh, at this Camp Zero Gravity. Uh, some of them are youth leaders now. They're young adults now. And they're leading the next generation into the kingdom of God and into their calling of who God called them to be. So it's just a remarkable thing. They're going to come here next week, Wednesday, and lead us in worship. Uh, they might do some special things, and I think they're preparing for that, but I'm not sure yet because they're still uh, getting ready for that. But it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. Uh, I'm excited because of what God is doing. And so don't miss it, okay? I know some of you might work and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be tired after work. I got to go and take shower and all of that. Just put on cologne and perfume. Just be here. And you sit in the back, though, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just joking. You can, you, can, you can be in the fellowship hall. But it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great together. So open your Bibles to uh, Exodus 3, and we're going to be in verse 4. And some of you were here for the past couple of weeks, and we were talking about uh, just the different names of God and uh, how we address God. We talked about the angel of the Lord, and, and, and who is the angel of the Lord? Because you read your Bible and then you'll hear that term come up all the time, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. We talked a little bit about angels and that angels are messengers of God. Remember that Hebrew word, malach? That means messenger. So when, he, when God talks about an angel or the Bible talks about an angel, he's referring to a messenger. So Exodus chapter 3 verse 4. And so we've been talking about that. And then we talked about the name Yahweh. Pastor Charlie talked about that a little bit and, 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 and um, just taught us a, a little bit about God's name and Yahweh, the God of Israel, the only God, the one true God. And we know that God is, is the one supreme being. And what we're looking at is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ in Old Testament times, or in other words, the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes in, in our Christian walk, we see Jesus Christ as the person walking on this earth in the New Testament. And we're taught that. Nothing wrong with that. But I think we miss more than half of who Christ really is by just seeing him in the New Testament. 
when we read through Matthew, uh, between Matthew through Revelation. That's the whole New Testament. That's, the, that's when Jesus came to this earth and after. So sometimes we'll stay to the New Testament and read the New Testament because it's difficult in the Old Testament. But we're learning that Jesus always existed. He is the same, as Hebrews 13, 8 says, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was the same yesterday, that means he existed in the Old Testament. But they don't refer to him as Jesus. They don't refer to him as the Christ. Now, I've had many names, you know, while I was growing up, nicknames. Uh, Sometimes people will call me names to tease. But there are names that I'm given because of the things that I do. For instance, when I coach t-ball, they called me coach. With my nieces and nephews, they call me uncle. With my children, they call me dad. With Heidi, she calls me shell or honey. (laughs) And she, you know, it's just these different names that I've been called. (laughs) You can't tell I'm blushing because I'm sunburned. So there's these different names. Some of the kids because they were playing t-ball and they were a part of the ministry and they're my uh, niece or nephew, they would call me Uncle Coach Pastor Sheldon. That's what they would call me, Uncle Coach Pastor Sheldon. So it's, it's no different with God. He has so many names because of who he is and the things that he does. So there's so many different names of God. So by the time it comes to the New Testament and he's called Jesus, which is Joshua or Yeshua, That means Savior. And if you read in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, Joshua, who was the one who took Moses' place after Moses, Joshua now has risen up to lead Israel. His name means Savior. So, if you look at the names of God, there's so many different names. But the one name that, especially the Jews, referred to was Yeshua. Uh, Excuse me, Yahweh. Because he is the God of Israel. And we, we saw the spelling on it. And just to clarify, it's the Tetragrammaton. Because there's no vowels in this writing. So, now we're looking at God in his fullness. The God of Israel. How does he relate to Jesus throughout history? How does the angel of the Lord connect to Jesus Christ? Why would, the angel, why would God call him the angel of the Lord or the Lord of hosts? Why didn't he just call him Jesus? What was the difference? Now, if you look at the Old Testament and you read, there's a lot of battles that took place because they were entering the promised land. So they had to take over the promised land. So the armies were very important. And if you think about it, God will always bring about in the season that we're in something that we can relate to. When we're going through a struggle or a painful situation and we're broken, we know Jesus as the healer. When we're feeling lonely and we're feeling unloved, then we know Him as Jesus, the one who loves. He's full of compassion. So God will bring to us His Spirit in the season that we're in. We, God cannot just be confined to a singular name it, it, because of who He is and, and what He represents. He's too big for just one name. 
It's incalculable how many, how many names God can have because of all that He does and all that He is. So when it comes to Jesus Christ, in the New Testament, He's the Savior because He came to rescue Israel from the Roman oppression. But not just that, He came to rescue mankind from eternal separation with the Almighty God. So when Jesus comes in, they called Him the Messiah. That was another name. The Anointed One. Because he was the one that the prophets were speaking about. So by the time Jesus came and he fulfilled all those prophecies, they said, he is the one. He is the anointed one. He is the king above all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. So now when it comes to our very own lives, the question is, is he king of the kings that I have in my life? Is he king above all the kings that I put in place in my life that is above him? Have I now transitioned to that? Or do I still have certain kings here and there or certain things that dominate my life or certain things that control my life other than God himself, other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Does he rule my life? Is he, is he the Lord of my life? Or do I have smaller L, lords, in my life? Do I have the capital Lord of all in my life? He needs to be the Lord of lords. We're going to have things master us. There's going to be certain things. Work will master us. That's why we, we, we stress out if we're late to work or we have to finish something. It kind of lords us, but it's a small L. There's going to be certain things in our lives that are, are going to be master of us. But it's not capital M, master. It's just small things that master us. So long as God is the master, that Jesus Christ is the Lord, capital L, of our life, then we'll be okay. Certain things will pull at us. And the reason why I'm using these capitals and, and to mention that is because we're going to learn a little bit in your Bible why the Lord's name is capitalized and why sometimes it's always capitals. You know, the whole word Lord is all in capitals. And so we're going to learn that a little bit. But let me go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Now, remember, Exodus is when they're coming out of Egypt. So, the huge Exodus out of Egypt. And in Exodus 3, verse 4, actually, I'll just read from verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock back uh, to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So, he looked And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Now, if we look at those words right there, I'm not sure if in your Bible, but it should be all capitals. Are the word, is the word Lord in your Bible all capitals? Usually it's the New King James Version that is capitalized, and some versions will actually have the word Yahweh. It's capitalized because it means Yahweh. It's letting us know it's referring to the God of Israel. That's why it's all in capitals, because it's referring to the God of Israel. The Bible is letting us know who the Bible is referring to. The God of all. The God of Israel. 
Now, some people will look at this and think, well, that's kind of like a fairy tale. He's, he's, there's a, there's a, a shrub burning, but it's not being consumed. That's, not, that's, that's fairy tale. That's like he was delusional. He was, he was seeing things. Now, if you look at your life and you look at the things that God has done in your life, the things that he has so-called burnt away or the things that he has consumed in your life, the things that he has, has come into your life to, to take away, there's things that you will see in your life that you will repeat to other people. Some people may not believe that that was God. Some people will say, no, that's just coincidence, or no, that was going to happen. A healing takes place, and somebody will say, no, that's, that's because you did this or this. And, and so they'll, they'll, ha- they'll have some disbelief in them. So not everyone will understand what it means that God came into your heart and consumed your life. That He took away all your sin, that He cleansed you and made you whole again. Not everybody will believe that. The same thing with Moses. When this thing took place, he himself was wondering, what is happening? What, what does it mean? It's like God caught his attention. You know, the, the, the first thing you can catch, or the first thing that would catch your attention in a desert is fire. Because if you go out Kauai High side, Kona side, and you see a fire, that will capture your attention. Because everything is dry. You don't want fire in the desert when you have other bushes around. You just don't want everything to catch fire and burn up. So God, God caught his attention. Then once God caught his attention, he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Now Moses is here kind of panicked and, and, and frozen a little bit. And then it continues and he says, and I'm reading the, the King James Version. And God says, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes, off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. We'll read through that and say, wow, that was pretty cool. But think about what God was doing in the heart of Moses. Because Moses is just about to do something grand for God, something miraculous for God. He's just about to lead the people of Israel out of slavery. He's about to do something great for God. And God says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Now, in Joshua chapter 5, you can turn there. Joshua chapter 5, God says the same thing. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. thought I'd help. Actually, I have to say it because I got to find it too. It's like the ABCs. You can't just say, what comes after M? You got to go through the whole thing. So Joshua chapter 5. And in Joshua chapter 5, in verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now they're ready to take over the promised land. That he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him. Now that man should be capitalized stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So that word Lord should be all capitalized, right? 
because it's talking about Yahweh, the God of Israel. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said to him, What does my Lord... Now, it's just capital L now, right? Not all capitals. Because now he's referring to this earthly master, not the Yahweh, not Yahweh as God. So we've got to catch that. What does my Lord say to his servant? Now, let's, let's just pause for a moment and let's picture this. Now, we learned about the angels, right? When man bows down, would bow down to angels, what would the angels say? Don't bow down to me. Get up. I'm just like you. I'm a servant of the Lord. Don't you bow down to me. It's kind of like the angels were, when, when men would bow down to the angels, they'd be like, what are you doing? Get up. What God is looking. What are you doing? We can't have this happening. You want me to get into trouble? That's kind of like what they're saying. Because they can't accept worship. That's what Satan did. And we all know what happened to him. He's, uh, I don't even want to get into him. So, now you have these, this, now Joshua, who is leading Israel, bows down before this, the angel, the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua says, Lord, what do you, what do you have me to do? Then the commander, capital C, of the Lord's army, all capitals, right? The Lord, the Lord's army, talking about Yahweh, said to Joshua, take off your sandals Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. Now, you got to catch this. Between the book of Exodus, when Moses stood before God, and God said, take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy grounds. And then now, Joshua, saying the same thing, what do you want me to do? Take off your sandals, for you're on holy grounds. They're referring to the same God. They're referring to the same holiness. But why would the Bible have to differentiate Lord as small L, um, excuse me, just capital L, and then Lord, all capitals? Because there's a difference. What the Bible is referring to in all the capitals, L-O-R-D, is Yahweh. When they translated the Bible, they had to refer... This Lord, all capitals, to Yahweh, which is the God of Israel. Small l is referring to the angel of the Lord, or the commander of the Lord, or the commander of the Lord's armies, or the Lord of all. Which is, if you look at the the Hebrew term, it's an earthly king. Now, stick with me on this, okay? The only way this Lord would accept worship, the angel of the Lord would accept uh, worship. Remember now, he's a messenger. An angel means messenger. So the messenger of the Lord. It can be also translated that way. The messenger of the Lord. The only way he would accept worship is if he is indeed the Lord of all, the God of Israel. That's the only way he could receive worship as an angel of the Lord is if he is God. We talked some months ago about Jesus being God and that God sent Jesus to this earth. We touched a little bit on the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are in one. So the only way 
this earthly king could accept worship is if he is God. So now Joshua is bowing before the God of the universe, the angel of the Lord. And so now he's receiving worship, which tells us that he is Yahweh. He is God. Go to Exodus chapter 14. You got to turn backwards now. And in verse 19. In verse 19, and I'll read the New Living Testament. It says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. So now they're being led out of Egypt. They're going into the promised land, but they hit the Red Sea. Remember that? So now they're stuck between the Red Sea and then the Egyptians. Now, it says in verse 19 that the angel of God who went... I'm reading the New King James Version now. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So when it says, and the angel of God, it should be capital A. The angel of God. Because it's representing the king or the messenger, which is an earthly king, the angel of God, which we know is Christ, our risen Savior. Now, how would we know that? How could it be where it's Jesus Christ? How could it be where it's, it's Christ being the Savior, the one who is the angel of the Lord, or the one who is in the Old Testament? Because we've learned, and throughout the couple months that we were meeting together, that Jesus Christ is the only one who can accept worship from mankind. Angels cannot accept worship from mankind. The ones that did, they're no good. They're with the other guy, Satan. So, we know that Jesus Christ is the angel of the Lord. Joshua proves that. As he bows down, because there are two people that they're talking about. They're talking about Yahweh when Joshua bowed down and the commander of the army of God or the angel of the Lord that stood opposite of him. Now, if Jesus is the angel of the Lord, how does that, how does that apply to our lives? What, what, what good does it do us to know that He is the angel of the Lord, to know that He is found in the New Testament? What, does, what good does that do us? Well, I guarantee you this. You start reading the Old Testament, knowing that Jesus is there, it'll change your whole perspective about your entire life. Because now you'll be reading Jesus in a whole different way. Yes, we see Him in the New Testament as Savior, as Messiah, as King, But you read him in the Old Testament, he is warrior. You read him in the Old Testament and and, in what he was able to accomplish and how he was able to lead Israel into the promised land. I tell you, it just, it sparks your faith and it builds your confidence to know that he can lead us out of any oppression, out of any bondage into the promised land. 
He's able to do that. Why? Because he is the angel of the Lord. He is the commander of the Lord's army. He is above and all, above all the kings of this earth. And when you read the Old Testament, you'll see those things. You'll find those opportunities. I want to leave you with some questions. And if we look at who Christ is and the God of Israel, what has the God of Israel, what has Yahweh been telling you to remove from your feet? Because you stand on holy grounds when you're in His presence. What is He asking you to remove from your feet? Where have your feet been walking? What are some things in your life that has attached itself to you, that has been slowing down your walk with Christ, that is hindering you from doing what God has called you to do. Now, I want to encourage you in this. Whenever you sense the Lord saying, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, or, or letting you know that this is a holy moment, we may look at it and say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this, so I, you know, got to help me, and, and, and boy, I did wrong, so oh, I, I don't know what else to do. Get back to, what are you asking me to throw off? Or what are you asking me to remove from my life? Don't just take it as, okay, God is scolding me. He's, he's trying to do something uh, so that I, I feel bad. God is not about guilt. Because here's what we must remember. And, and, and I'm going I'm to close with this, but this is, I want you to catch this. Whenever God said for them to remove their sandals from their feet because this is holy grounds, it wasn't because and only because he was holy. It's not the only reason. It's part of the reason. But the main reason was what God was going to do after they removed their sandals because they stood on holy grounds. God didn't just say, remove your sandals, remove your shoes because you're on holy grounds, and then they did, and then he said, oh, I love you. Good job. Way to go. You're my hero. Woohoo! He didn't do that. He said, remove your sandals from your feet because you're standing on holy grounds. When they did that, he gave them instruction. Why? Because there was something greater in store for those people. Whenever God asks us to remove something from our lives, it's because one, we're on holy grounds with him. Two, it's because he's going to do something of significance in our lives that will change our life forever. It's, what he's saying is, it's that important and holy. He's that much concerned about what's going to take place in our life. He's that much, he, he's so concerned about who we're becoming that he says, listen, take off your sandals because what I'm about to tell you is going to benefit you for all of eternity. Don't miss the moment. Whatever it is, just say, Lord, what do you ask of me? And then say, here I am. I will do what you ask because I stand on holy ground. Amen. You can close your Bibles and your notes. You can put that away. We're going to pray together. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we we come before you tonight. Some of us, we've been in a season of, of, of wondering or questioning. Some of us have been in a great season. We've been in your word. We've been digging deep. Some of us are, we're, we're, sometimes we feel like we're in the desert. We're going through a, a dry season because 
uh, of whatever is happening around us, or, or we don't know what's, what's taking place in our life. We're trying to seek your will. We try, we're trying to seek your face. We're trying to figure out where we fit in this equation of, of eternity and, and the things that you're doing in our lives. But Lord, right now, all of us together, because we're in your presence, we stand on holy grounds. We sit before your feet. We sit before your throne. That you are Yahweh, the God of Israel. That you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you are the Master. You're the earthly King, yet at the same time, you are the eternal King. And so, Lord, as we, as we ponder on all these things and we pray about all these things, help us to remove whatever it is that you're asking us to remove. Because it's a holy moment. It's life-changing. And so, Lord, as we throw off whatever it is that you're asking us to throw away, to throw off, to cast aside, that we will remember that it's, it, it's not really about where we are, but it's really about who you are and what you're going to be doing. That you are holy, but you are so concerned about the rest of our lives. So, Lord, help us to make these commitments to throw off whatever it is because we stand on holy grounds. May we not miss the moments that you bring before us and the opportunities. And so we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And every single person said, Amen. Which means, so be it. So be it. Can we applaud the Lord and thank Him for being the Lord of all. Can we also say thank you to our...